Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Let's open our Bibles to John chapter 3 before we share in communion today. I'm having trouble getting my words out today. I was in such a hurry in Sunday school talking so fast that I just uh, slow down here. John chapter 3, verse 16. It was interesting. Um, you know, the, if, if you learned it in the NIV translation, it's uh, one and only son. And I learned it in King James, only begotten son. And everlasting life is eternal life. So it is slightly, slightly different. But John 3, verse, we're jumping into the middle of a context here. Well, the context is the Lord Jesus Christ is uh, speaking with Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, who comes to Jesus uh, to inquire of him privately. And uh, Jesus has this encounter with him. Also, don't forget that at the end of the story, Nicodemus is one of two men, along with Joseph of Arimathea, who have the courage to come forward and ask for the body of Jesus to give him a burial. Uh, so this this man, Nicodemus, actually is quite prominent in the story of our Lord. Um, and, in, and in this is the account where Jesus says to him, you must be born again. And Nicodemus says, what do you mean born again? Can you go back in your mother's womb, be born again? What are you talking about? And to be honest, really, to be fair to Nicodemus, you couldn't really expect him to understand what Jesus was saying. Although Jesus says, you're, you're a teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things. And in verse 13, let's look at verse 13. No one has ever gone into heaven except the Son who came from heaven. This is the Lord speaking, the Son of Man. Verse 14. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert. We've been talking about Moses the last several weeks. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And I want us to, as we come to the communion uh, celebration this morning, and if you're visiting with us today, uh, you are welcome to share communion with us if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. This is not something that is for members of Berean Bible Church. It's for members of the body of Christ. And so if you're with us today and you are would like to share communion, uh, in a little while our elders will share first the bread, then we're going to have a worship team going to share a song with us, and then we'll share the cup as well and invite you to join with us in the communion service celebration this morning. And as we go to the, as we come to this time, I want us to focus on this thought today from verse 14. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. The context of this, um, if you go back into the Old Testament, to the book of Numbers, and we go back to chapter 21. If you'd like to go back there in your Bibles, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. 
We've been in uh, Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy the past several weeks in our uh, study and uh, meditations on the life of Moses. And this is the account, and this is, this is toward the end of their travels. They're getting close to the promised land. They're getting close to Canaan. And they traveled, verse 4, from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. So they're getting close. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against Moses and against Moses. They spoke against God and against Moses. And they said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There is no bread. There is no water. And we detest this miserable food, which was what? Manna. After 40 years, they were getting tired of manna. Okay, But it was free. And it was provided every day. Okay. But they are getting tired of it. They complain once again. And this is the last time we're going to see this. But there's, a re- there's basically a revolt going on here. They're revolting against God, against Moses. And uh, it's so severe. And this is so important. And, and, and so um, sinful, really. Notice what the Lord does. Verse 6. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. This is serious. This is part of the Bible. God is love. God is just. God is righteous. Um, God is punishing the sin of his people because it's, 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 it's so severe. And obviously, the, the, his, his, his feeling about this rebellion is very serious. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned. They repented. We sinned. When we spoke against the Lord and against you, pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, make a snake, a, a seraph, a serpent. Now the word seraphim is connected with this thought here, this fiery um, fiery being, seraph in the Hebrew, the idea of the fire. Uh, put this snake and put it on a pole, obviously raise it up, Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake, put it on a pole, and then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. And the Israelites moved on. And this account that the Lord Jesus Christ in the Gospel of John is referencing here. And he says, just uh, you remember, you remember Nicodemus. You're a Pharisee. You know the Old Testament well. You remember this story. Moses lifted up that serpent in the Old Testament. And just as he lifted up that serpent, the Son of Man, this is early in Jesus' ministry, the Son of Man must be lifted up. And everyone who believes in him may have eternal life, for God so loved the world that he gave his only, one and only Son. The word here for, for lifted up, it's an interesting word here because it has really a double meaning in, in, in the history of the word here. You know, this, this, John wrote this in the Greek language and the word that he, ha- he uses here has a kind of a rich meaning and it, and it really, it means more than just to lift something up. In addition to the idea of lifting something up, it also means to exalt it, right? We, we, we read in the Bible, lift up the name of God. Lift up your hand. We sang a song this morning. I forget the exact line about lifting your hands in, in praise or, or prayer. 
the idea of, of exaltation. And we need to have that double meaning in this word as we look at it. Just as Moses lifted up the snake, so must the Son of Man be lifted up and exalted, and anyone who believes on Him will have eternal life. It was interesting, I had a little conversation with the worship team. They were practicing Wednesday night, and we had this conversation about how You know, when you're planning for a service that you know is the communion service, it seems to be that we kind of have a tradition that it should always be a little more somber, right? And part of that comes from Good Friday, because Good Friday is a service in which, you know, we have the Tenebrae service. Uh, We, you know, as preparing for Easter, we especially remember the darkness of, 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 of Good Friday, the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. But in reality, there's nothing that says the communion service has to be a somber, sedate, quiet service. There are times for that. But we do call it a celebration, right? We are here to celebrate communion. And in fact, in the early church, as we discussed, and Ted maybe mentioned, you know, in the early church, they gathered for their common meal. They gathered on Sunday night. It was the first day of the week. It was the day the Lord rose from the dead. And that was the day they chose to gather. They gathered on the first day of the week. It was a work day, so they had to meet at night. And they gathered, and they gathered around a common meal. And part of that common meal was to celebrate, at the end of it, the breaking of the bread and the cup, to celebrate the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in fact, as the passage we're going to read, we always read the communion from 1 Corinthians where Paul says, as often as you do this, you do show forth the Lord's death until he comes. This is a time to remember but to celebrate the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to add that dimension this morning as we gather. Um, actually, that's not, that wasn't the first time I had that conversation about um, communion service always being maybe thinking we have to have it somber. Uh, Herb Anderson. Do you remember Herb Anderson? Probably 30 years ago came to me one day after... Why does it always have to be so serious for communion? You know, I said, well, um, go ask the elder board. I don't know. You know but anyway. And uh, so as we come today, I, w- I want to focus on this and this word because we all know John 3.16. And our Lord connects it with the lifting up of the serpent in the wilderness. and says, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. There are two other passages in John that actually talk about this. John chapter 8. If you just go a few pages ahead in your Bible or look on your phone or tablet to John chapter 8. And we'll see this once again. And this is when they are coming to Jesus and asking, uh, who are you? Um, and, uh, and you notice, again, we're jumping into a context but verse 25. Who are you, they asked. Who are you? Jesus says, just what I have been claiming all along. Jesus replied, I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is reliable. And what I have heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about the Father. So, in order to help them understand, Jesus said, when you, so he's going to tell them, you'll know this when this happens. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be, and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who has sent me is with me. 
He has not left me alone, for I always do what he pleases. And notice, even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. Many of these people here in this context who are challenging him and asking him, and, and then we say, who are you then? And I'm told, told you I was. And when you see me lifted up, you will know. You will recall this, I'm telling you. And his lifting up there has to do with the cross of Calvary. But it also has to do with the whole story of salvation. You will know when you lift me up that this has taken place. And then finally, in John chapter 12, we come toward the very end of the story. This is in, in Gospel of John. This, this precedes the, 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 the time close to his arrest and crucifixion. And in John chapter 12, <clears throat> verse 30. Well, verse, go back in the middle of verse 28. Then a voice from heaven said, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. And the crowd that was there heard it and said, it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. And Jesus said, no, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now, the prince of this world. The Bible makes it clear that Satan is the prince, the power of the air. The prince of this world. He's, he's got to be referring to Satan here. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Christ, the Messiah, the Mashiach, will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? And once again, three times, the Lord Jesus Christ specifically says, and, it, and he includes this idea of exaltation, because here in this passage, his lifting up is connected with the driving out and destruction of Satan's power and domain over the earth. When I am lifted up, amen, brother, amen? When I am lifted up, and I will draw men to myself, and you will know, that the victory is accomplished. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ are all one story. But we specifically at communion remember, pronounce, and celebrate the lifting up as his body was placed on that cross and the cross was lifted up. Yes, it was a sign of condemnation from the world's perspective. It was the most hideous and degrading way to die, especially for a Jew and to be left on that cross to die. But the Lord connects it with His exaltation, His victory, His glory. You know, I think oftentimes, you know, there's, there's this picture of, in our mind of Satan celebrating on Good Friday. I'm not so sure that's the truth. I think Satan was trying to keep him from going to the cross. In the mouth of temptation, he tempted him to worship him, to, to change sides, if you will. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the temptation was to, to, to not go to the cross. The Lord even said, if there's any other way, but your will be done. 
And when Jesus died on the cross, it was victory over Satan's domain. We're going to come and share bread in just a minute. And as we do, I think this is a good time as the body of Christ to also remember our commitment, our challenge, that we have a very simple gospel of salvation. Some people react against that. But the fact of the matter is, it is a simple message for us. In Numbers, what was the message? You know, uh, Arthur Pink in his commentary on, on Numbers uh, says this. Maybe it was a commentary on John. And he says this. The people of Israel were not told to put on healing ointment. They were not told to minister to one another. They were not told to fight the snakes. They were not told to make an offering to the snakes. They were not told to pray to the serpents. They were not told to look at Moses. And they were not told to look at their wounds. They were simply told. I mean, been any simpler. Put the bronze snake, raise it up, and anyone who looks at it will be saved. It didn't matter how bad their wounds were. It didn't matter how many times they'd been bitten. It didn't matter how close to death they were. They were simply asked to look. And I am sure there were those who chose not to. And they died. And friends, there's a lot of difficult things in the Scriptures we, we work through, we study, we discuss, we have different opinions on. And there are some things that are so simple and so basic that we must never be ashamed or embarrassed to tell the simple gospel story. We are sinners. We cannot save ourselves. God loved the world so much that He sent His one and only Son, God Himself as well, to die on the cross. And whoever what? Whoever believes shall not perish but have eternal life. It is the simple gospel message. And when everything else is said and done, friends, as family of God, we must never make it more complicated than that. After that, yes, there are many things to learn, many things to do. But the starting point, as the, the hymn that we used to, we sung, look and live. And ask the elders to come at this time. And we're going to share the bread first. And so we're going to share the bread with you and ask that as the bread comes, if you would just hold it for a moment and just quietly meditate. This bread represents the body of our Lord Jesus Christ on the night He was betrayed and was going to be going to the cross the next day to pay for my sin and for yours.
The Apostle Paul told the church at Corinth, a young church, one he spent 18 months with, he wrote back to them and he said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. You do this in remembrance of me. And Paul says, whenever you eat this bread, along with the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This little piece of bread before us this morning is a part of a whole. And it's to remind us that we are part of a whole. We are part of him. His disciples were part of him. As we eat this bread this morning, we'll take a moment afterward for just quiet reflection and celebration that he died for us and has given us eternal life. Let us eat the bread together. Father, this is Thanksgiving week. It's a time that we gather and rejoice and give thanks for your many blessings to us. And there are so many things that we have to be thankful for. But the most important thing, Father, of course, today is that as a humble people, we come to you and we give you thanks that our Lord Jesus Christ was lifted up on the cross in pain and agony. His body was broken. But that lifting up was also a proclamation of his victory as he gave his body for our sins. He became my sacrifice so that I could have eternal life. And so we are a thankful people today and we thank you in our Lord Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen. In the Jewish Targums, which are Jewish commentaries on the Old Testament from around the time of Christ, these were being developed, there's a history that on the passage in Numbers, the commentary from the Targum is when they were told to look at the serpent on the, on the pole, quote, it means turning one's heart to the memra of God. Turning one's heart to the memra of God. That word memra, the Hebrew word, is a word for word. It meant word. And this is a very rich history, actually, in Judaism and rabbinic teaching before the time of Christ of this connection of the Word of God with God. And the Gospel of John begins and tells us, along with First John, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father. The Word of God, it had such rich meaning. And it's interesting that God's people forgot that what He was asking them was to believe in His Word. Look at the serpent. In that case, the serpent did not have the healing power. It was the Word of God asking for their faith. How silly it sounded. Just look at it. It's all you got to do. It's the Word of God. In fact, later on in the life of Hezekiah, 
King Hezekiah removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles, all these pagan altars. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made. For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning incense to it. It was called Nehushtan. And Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah. He held fast to the Lord. They misunderstood. It was the Memra, it was the Word of God that they put their faith in. Not offering incense to that snake that they held on to as a relic. And this morning we come and we proclaim our faith in the Word of God. Because the Word became flesh. Dwelt among us. Lived as a human. Never sinned. And went to the cross of Calvary and paid for your sin and paid for mine. We drink this cup as a memory of the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross, which is the only sacrifice that will give us forgiveness for sins and eternal life. Let us drink together and hold the cup for a moment of silence. Father, once again, the empty cup reminds us of the empty tomb. Our Savior's blood was shed on the cross of Calvary. It became the covering over the mercy seat for our sins. We come to you today with no plea, no claim, no righteousness of our own. We come to you as people who have come in simple faith. In the blood of Jesus Christ, His death on the cross as payment for our sins. And Lord, it's my prayer today. If there be one person here today, that maybe your Holy Spirit has opened their heart for whatever reason today to this simple gospel message. You love them. God so loved the world. You gave. You didn't just love, you gave. Our Lord Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son, who went to the cross and paid the perfect, holy sacrifice for our sins. And whoever believes in Him will have everlasting life. And I pray, Lord, right now, that that person has never honestly received the Lord Jesus Christ as their payment for their sins, that in humility and in simplicity, they would say that to you right now. We thank you, Lord, for this day, for your goodness, for your love. And we thank you that we can call you our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, our Lord, and leave with the indwelling Holy Spirit in our lives. And all of God's people can say together, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We please stand as we close our hoods. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for leading worship today. Thank you for being here. Your presence here is a ministry to others. It's an encouragement to them. Uh, special blessing on the Oxner clan today. They have all gathered from all over the country to come here and to celebrate Mel's birthday. They're going to gather 90th birthday. They're going to gather as a family today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. We'll pray for you. 
and uh, give our greetings to our brother Mel, who's uh, served so well here at our church and a uh, family that means a lot to us. Also, you know why you can see so well this morning? A bunch of guys in our church got together this week. And they built a scaffolding, all legal and everything. Got, we had a certified electrician, and we replaced all the lights in here with LED lights. We're going to be more uh, energy efficient, work for our environment, and save money. Just trust me, don't look at them. It's not a good idea. <laughs> As we go, let's, but thank you guys. Appreciate that spirit of uh, labor and volunteer. And um, also, Gary mentioned earlier this morning that uh, this time of year, holidays, a time for family, for friends, for joy, for celebration. But it's also a time that can be really hard for a lot of people, especially have lost loved ones recently. And I'm just reminded this morning, it's because of what we have celebrated today that we really believe we are going to see our fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters, and for some of you, your sons and daughters, our friends and loved ones, we are really going to be together. We don't just have forever life. We have eternal life. God is so good. And please remember that. We are going to be together again. And what a moment as we enter eternity it's going to be. Father, we love you. We lift up your name. We proclaim your name today. We proclaim the very simple message of faith in Jesus Christ, the gospel that leads to salvation. That even our children know, and we make no apologies. We make we do not coerce, but we present the gospel to our children. And they have come to know Christ as Savior. And it's a genuine conversion. And there are older people that have come here and in simple faith, right here in this auditorium, given their life to you. And we pray again today, Lord, that our hearts are open to your gospel, that we'll share your gospel. I want to ask your special blessing on the Oxner family today as they gather. Bless Mel on his birthday. We love this family, Lord, and we just pray they'll have a wonderful day of celebration and a good day together. And likewise, for all of us, that we will walk out of this place with joy in our hearts. In Christ's precious name, we again all can pray together. Amen.